Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The Ad News Podcast. The podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hello and welcome to the Ad News Podcast. I'm the Ad News Online Editor, Pippa Chambers, and today I'm joined by the Trade Desk General Manager for Australia and New Zealand, Mitch Waters, and Impulse Screen Media's Commercial Director, Carla Zipper. Hi, guys. Hi, Pip. Thanks Hello. very much for joining the Ad News Podcast. Um, so to begin with, we like to start light and uh, start with kind of a light topic and just ask something a bit more personal. So I like to ask what you're currently watching at the moment on TV. Is there any kind of particular show or, or even a book, anything you're reading? Uh, Carla? What, what, uh, I tend to watch a lot of um, SBS, actually, because I'm still a bit of a fan of the BBC. Oh, okay. So I get a lot of BBC dramas. Anything SBS. in particular? Great one over the weekend called The Life of Crime that okay. I enjoyed. Right, nice, nice. Mitch? Yeah, I'm not not a big TV person, unfortunately, and it's shock what? horror for this space. <laughs> um, I think when I'm chance not to be in front of a screen, I try and get away from it. But big into podcasting, yeah, which of course. Uh, is great, very, very exciting. Um, my favourite, the things I'm listening to at the moment would be Download This Show by the ABC about the local uh, tech tech market which is really really good i'd highly recommend as well as uh tim ferris radio show is really solid excellent and what about um uh svod subscription things what do you guys actually sign up to netflix you all on netflix i got netflix and foxtel yeah right support both yeah i use an app called plex actually so my partner's actually like created a little um netflix uh personalized kind of computer source of lots of tv shows that we've that we like and things like that so we use our own sounds good um okay well just moving on to a bit about what you actually do uh uh, carla we'll start with you uh in terms of your role and and what you do there so can you tell us a little bit about the company and what your role is there yeah sure so impulse screen's actually been around since around 2013 And the simplest way to describe what we do is we actually watch TV um, and listen to absolutely everything that's going on on TV and turn that into data. Um, We then connect into DSPs, um, so a number of DSPs that we connect in with, including the Trade Desk and also um, AppNexus, Facebook, um, AOL. And advertisers have the opportunity to time their digital programmatic advertising in sync with what's happening on TV. Okay. So that's exactly what we do. Um, and who is kind of uh, leading in that, advertisers that are kind of jumping on board or, you know, h- how is the market kind of uh, responding to your offering? 
Yeah, I'm pretty well. There's there's definitely some industries that love the product, um, including sort of insurance and pharmaceuticals who have been in the space for quite a long time. But we are seeing a growing amount of FMCGs moving into using ad tech. So, um, yeah, the likes of McDonald's um, and in the pharmaceutical space, um, Sanofi brand, brands really that are either capitalising on their TV spend and wanting to sort of capitalise on that halo effect or those that sort of aren't as prevalent on television that are, you know, um, using sort of show sponsorships perhaps to leverage. So what's like an example, like a real kind of simple layman's example of what you're doing if you were to take one brand and say, we're doing this for them? Sure. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as simple as you can put it as simple I know as I can it can it. kind of overwhelm everyone you know everything you've just said I feel like obviously Mitch is going to get it and I understand what yep. you're saying but it's like how could you kind of break that down okay so I'll, I'll sort of talk about a, a client that we just onboarded yesterday because okay. that's nice and fresh um, we're working with King Living so King Living Furniture and they are spending on television at the moment for their spring sale And what we have allowed them to do is every time their TVC airs on television, um, their Facebook advertising will start um, for a period of 15 minutes. So we're syncing um, that Facebook advertising with the airing of their TVCs. And what this does is it's it's basically making use of the fact that there's around 6.2 screens in every household. So... We're multi-screening while we're watching TV and the majority of time we're sort of on Facebook or searching something that's occurring on television. And our technology really helps make the most of that opportunity, that cross-screen opportunity. So as soon as that King Living furniture um, ad airs on television and I'm on Facebook, there's an opportunity there to have a cross-screen message. I've seen the ad on TV and now I'm actually Mm. assisting the advertiser to make that ad actionable by looking at some extra creative or being driven to a website. Okay. And Mitch, is something you're familiar with? You're kind of across the the, the products and what, and what this, uh, you know, how interesting this is? Yeah, 100%. I think we, we work very closely um, with a number of clients. Macca's is obviously one that Carla called out before. But it, we sort of look at it not just from a TV perspective, but from a moment marketing sort of perspective. And TV is one element where we can complement a story through uh, multi-screening or conquesting other brands um, and trying to listen into some potentially competitive brands and putting your ads in where around some of your competition so um, we are 100% across it it's another bow to our mm-hmm. the, the strategies our buyers can use to make their a- advertising far more effective and targeted okay and obviously moving on to your role so how long have you been in the role now and do you want to just explain a bit about what you're doing yeah so um, I've been in at the trade desk since May um, I joined uh, from AOL. Um, I'm very, very excited to be part of the Trade Desk team. I think from a product perspective, um, it's very exciting where they're going. The Trade Desk is an omni-channel buy-side DSP. Um, we only work on the buy-side. We don't have an exchange or we don't run a media business as well. Um, we're a SaaS-based business, and we recently, um, September last year, IPO'd as well, mm-hmm. which is obviously very exciting from an ad tech yeah. business perspective. But we IPO'd not to raise funds, but to protect our independence and also 
to add more transparency into what we do, being a publicly traded company, we now have to provide financial results each quarter to the to Wall Street. So with everything that's going on in the industry at the moment, the ability to be transparent mm. um, is incredibly, incredibly important. And we saw that as a great vehicle of doing that. Was that part of the appeal for you to make that move with the IPO? And you kind of thought, you know, this is an interesting business. Is that kind of what helped sort of woo you over there? Uh, I think it was a, a number of uh, life stage decisions as well. Um, I recently just had my first child and going through, I guess, what AOL and Yahoo are about to go through this year with the launch of Oath. Um, did I want to put all my effort into my team and bringing them along that journey or did I want to be able to make a jump, settle in and then really be able to focus on my young family? And so um, that was definitely a big consideration in, in my change. And I wanted to get back into pure technology. Um, Oath will be a very, very successful media and technology company. Um, I, I wanted to be back focused purely on the tech side. And um, the Trade Desk was an amazing vehicle to ne- enable that. You're still following Oath and everything that's going on there? Have you still got that kind of interest in, in what they're doing? Yeah, and I, I, they have an amazing leadership team, um, both on the AOL side and the Yahoo side locally. Um, you're always going to follow um, previous um, companies you work for, and they were amazing uh, during the time I was there. And I, I think I know that they'll do amazing things with Verizon backing them. So, Plus, they're also a supplier of our inventory. Um, so... Um, I really enjoy working with the Oath people still and I'll, I'll definitely be watching for uh, their successes from afar. I was going to say, there's so many kind of connections, especially with ad tech, you kind of forget everyone is in a way plugged in to, to everyone. Um, in terms of, I guess, looking at the, the industry and obviously in the ad tech space, it has been super cluttered, but then there's elements of con- consolidation. Um, what, what's the market? Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Carla. How do you kind of view the market at the moment in terms of what it's looking health-wise? Is there going to be more consolidation? And what's kind of interesting you at the moment um, about the market? Sure. I mean, certainly I think from the agency side, which is um, a lot of the view that I get having, you know, servicing agencies and, and trading desks, there is a lot of consolidation internally. I think that in conversations that I've had, what we'll see is agencies really standing for ad tech and what they offer and what they want to bring to clients. Do you um, think, sorry, just to interrupt, do you think they're doing that because there's certain elements that they maybe have lost control over or, you know, budget is going to other people and they kind of think, you know, I better get in the ad tech game so I can make sure I'm getting a slice of the pie? Like, what's the reason for them kind of wanting to get maybe more involved in the ad tech? Do you think it's it's a money-driven... Look, I think, you know, at the end of the day, data is leading the way. And I think that uh, what a lot of ad tech does, it informs better media buying decisions or allows better optimization, um, more strategic targeting, um, a way to actually, you know, gain market share over competitors. So uh, for me, it's very much a uh, test and learn space still in media agencies. And where agencies have tested and they've learned and it's working for clients, they're sort of rolling with particular providers because, yeah, with the fragmentation of the market, it's absolutely impossible to probably, mm. you know, have a, a decent relationship with every provider. So they're mm. sort of, you know, picking out what's working and perhaps, you know, moving forward with those partners. Yeah. And Mitch, any views there on the media agencies yeah, really leaning more into the ad tech side? I think... <laughs> It's just a natural progression for them. I think where traditionally they 
viewed ad tech or programmatic, if we go call it like that, was it was another channel. It sat alongside video, mobile, and some programmatic. That's not what programmatic is. Programmatic is a transaction method. So as they've started to see that it is actually a way of purchasing rather than purchasing of something, it has to be involved more and more within their agency. So I, I totally agree. I think you're starting to see them lean in a lot more because a traditional media buyer where you could hit one set of audience on one portal or one station and they'd stick to that channel or whatever it be and get all their consumption it doesn't work like that so if you're going to be following people across all the touch points with all the devices and not blowing frequency and annoying them through the whole journey you can't transact that way without technology <laughs> so i think we're going through this mind mind uh, uh shift in mind of programmatic being a category that you buy and put on a line as a line item on a, a media plan to being actually a way of transacting mm. that media plan. And I think it's an important, important milestone because from there we can actually move forward and start educating clients around what progr- buying programmatically looks like and not necessarily having all the doom and mm. gloom stories that tend mm. to get associated with the word. So do, do you always do you think it's necessarily true that clients actually want to know as much as we think they want to know? Because obviously, you know, we between us, we're all talking about, you know, the jargon, it confuses everyone and marketers don't get it. Do you actually think they all need to know as much as we think they need to know, as opposed to just kind of trusting us or trusting their agencies? So I know, for example, and I'm sure you you know, there's agencies that just say, oh, we do all this, whereas really then they're plugged into other, you know, because they're like, we don't want to explain to the marketers, actually, we're plugged into this ad tech person, this ad tech person. They don't want to know. Do we? Do they really need to know as much as we think they need to? Know? I've never been on the agency side, um, but I would say it's probably the same as sort of any client. Like if you should have all the information there that on hand, if someone wants mm. to have it, you should be able to provide it. Mm. Um, I know certainly if you're using the right vendors in your mix, you should be able to get that information um, very quickly. But at the same time, you're right. We we sort of. Um, set ourselves up for a, a tougher time with all these metrics that came in with digital and being able to measure everything to the nth degree. It's almost, uh, we, it's, we, there's so much data you can't actually mm. do anything out mm. of it. So it's finding that middle ground and I'm a big believer you should be able to provide it if it's asked, but yeah. at the same time as an agency you should understand your client and what, yeah. what their tolerances are. You know, we just hear these stories about marketers and they're trying to get their heads around everything and they're just doing the normal, you know, marketing spend or whatever. And it's like, do they have time to sit down and really learn about header, bidder, wrapping or whatever? Um, So, yeah, I just wondered if, uh, you know, maybe if you guys thought it was as important. But, um, okay, well, kind of moving on to... um, Sorry, so Pip, just on that, I think that's a good point. Like, there's definitely certain things around the actual transaction tools that maybe a marketer doesn't need to know, like header bidding or ads.txt or a way that an agency gets better bidding efficiencies on a price to uh, reduce their operational uh, load in terms of manpower. That, that 100%, that's almost like knowing me as a consumer don't really want to know what the cog in my gearbox yeah, really is. Yeah. But if I'm interested in that, I should be able should to ask and find what that is. Okay. So I think 100% to your okay. point, like there should be, the information should be there. It shouldn't just sit inside this case yeah. of a gearbox and not know what's in mm. there. But I wouldn't necessarily be like running out telling the world it, yeah. about it because you probably will get that 1% of people that are really Don't keen on it. Um, and what about, I guess, kind of looking outside of your own businesses and your own mm-hmm. roles, um, who's doing some cool stuff in this space? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be ad tech, but maybe in our media industry. Is there any kind of organisations or even any brands or anyone that's kind of inspiring you right now or you're thinking of kind of have got a cool tech or a cool product 
even if they're a rival. <laughs> Anyone, anything stand out or even over in the States or? Um, you know, I mean, I think that the, you know, I'm always impressed with, with the likes of the YouTubes and um, the Facebooks and the use of kind of cross-targeting and, you know, I think dynamic creative really interests me mm. and just that ability to really um, utilise location targeting. Um, although as creepy as it is, I actually think it's just amazing to be able to serve meaningful messages to consumers that are relevant. So, yeah, those guys that are improving their location services and, and targeting um, in the creative space, I think it's going to do media a lot of favours. Mm. Because I guess that's another thing I know that we've heard about um, in terms of when it comes to some of the um, understanding what it actually means. And I know with the, some of the location side of things, people are getting told, oh, yeah, you're in this location. And when they've actually looked into it, some of those kind of location specialists are actually quite off and they're not as kind of on the money. And it's kind of like knowing enough to know that it sounds good, you know, dynamic creative and location targeting. But I guess it's kind of knowing to actually ask the right questions to ensure that what someone says they do they actually do which i think can also be a bit of an issue i think it's applicable to everything yeah. not beyond yeah, location targeting i think ad tech um uh, and technology in general has the luxury that um you can sort of sell a vision rather than sell a reality um so it's 100 percent a big part of being able to know the right question it's something we're working on at the iab one of mm. the executive councils around how we could give like a run sheet of what to ask because it's very easy to be sold on uh, the promise of you being on a beta for a new product release and as soon as they go back to the office they quickly decide that we need to build this product mm. <laughs> and you use six to 12 months on a beta something that potentially was never in the roadmap so i think it's not specifically location i think location is incredibly exciting um, there's a lot of really cool things we can be doing especially as you start bringing the outside world into the digital world with internet of things mm. Um, everything's now starting to have a digital pulse, which means it has digital data, which we can then start doing some interesting things around informing bidding strategies on um, certain locations. So there's there's a, a ton of really cool things. I, I, list, I did some thinking and rattled off a couple. So I think um, Grapeshot is doing some really interesting stuff yeah. around um, listening to video and being able to mm. keyword target against that, which has always been a challenge, um, especially with your more premium... Uh, video placements where there may not be a description of what that is because it's a full page, mm. how to be able to ensure the content is relevant to what your advertiser so is. So is that something you're doing with them at the moment? So it's something that uh, Grape Show have come in and told us about mm. that they're working on mm. and we'll absolutely be trying to get mm. involved in that. Because I've seen them doing that in the States. I remember reading about the way that they were Yeah, Yeah, so it. they're looking at that. And I think just in terms of what's happening in our market that's really cool, our market's amazing. Like, we're so experimental in terms of what we need to do because we don't have the luxury of scale. Like, when we talk about with our product teams of whether it be programmatic audio or connected TV, um, we're always seen as leading that charge because as an advertiser, you don't, you can't just sit on a, a video platform and just buy an infinite amount of inventory that potentially you can do in the US. We have to really use the technology and look at areas that we can... It, invest in or innovate in to be able to get that audience at the right place at the right time so i think we're doing some really cool stuff the other thing is um creative is finally having its uh, time in the programmatic sun for a long time people would be targeting right down to 
left-handed Tasmanians who like the <laughs> colour of red but serve the exact same creative um, mm. for everyone. So companies like Bonsai, Playground XYZ, Inskin, Seltra, mm. they're really starting to come to the fray, mm. especially with high-impact takeovers. Mm. No. So just on that, so obviously those companies are there. We all know they're doing, you know, good things. Are you actually seeing it being, you know, kind of rolled out on, on mass? Because obviously they were here, a lot of them were here this time last year or the year before, but what tells you that it's actually kind of ramping up? Just in terms of percentage of campaigns coming through with elements of that incorporated into it. And because we are omni-channel, we see the high-impact stuff coming through and overlaying data across that and then be able to follow users across tablet, audio, all the way down um, to an acquisition. And and while you'd never sell a high-impact placement on a CPA or, or anything like that, being able to attribute some sort of value back to it um, beyond the, the last touch uh, is something that our advertisers and the, the better advertisers are definitely looking at. Mm. Um, and just picking up on, on you mentioned, obviously, you know, our market, we can try different things and we've got that freedom. You know, coming from, obviously, you work at a global company and there's going to be things that happen with your product or things that start earlier over in the States and maybe you have to wait for them to roll out here. How, how do you kind of manage that? Because I know, uh, you know, having interviewed other you know, ad tech companies and I'm like, oh, we hear this great stuff over in the States and they're like, oh, no, it's not here yet. How, is there any examples of that and, and kind of, uh, yeah, anything? Yeah, F- from our perspective, we're incredibly lucky and uh, I think Inskin's the same, we are just talking before, Carl. We actually have engineers on the ground in, in Sydney. So uh, the trade desk is 25 people. Over half of those sit in the engineering support and business intelligence team who are matrixed up into the global engineering team. So we we definitely punch a lot heavier at the product table globally mm-hmm. because we have that voice and because they're sitting within our office and not offshored, they get to hear what clients are wanting and everything like that. And because of that, we're able to re- release a new product every week, which is mm-hmm. amazing. The only time we'll ever be uh, challenged with a local, um, a US release coming out that's not be able to translate locally is if the data just doesn't exist in this market. So, uh, I can't recall an example off the top of my head, but say, for example, um, Nielsen do a connected TV panel in the US and Nielsen here don't support that. That would be the only time that we wouldn't do it. The functionality of pipes being able to transact and buyers being able to target specific types. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Sumitri is absolutely one product, one globe view. It's just more the supporting infrastructure around it in terms of other data points and everything like that, which would be the, the, the challenge. But in my experience, everything that we've rolled out in the US, we've either led adoption locally um, or just been very fast follower. Mm. 
And just, just on that topic of engineers, and I remember when I first started at Ad News three years ago and I was kind of trying to understand a lot more of the ad tech market and who's who, some of the advice I was given to try and, I guess, cut between some of the ad tech companies that were like bells and whistles and marketing fluff or whatever, uh, was to ask and look at the amount of engineers on the ground compared to maybe salespeople, marketing people. Mm. You know, is that something you guys agree with? I know it's easy to say that, and obviously you've just said you've got 25 engineers on the ground. Um, is there truth in that? I would, say, I would say most definitely, you know. Um, I've got the privilege of working for a Sydney-based ad tech startup. Um, we're 70% product development engineers, um, so we're constantly involved as a sales and marketing team, a very small sales and marketing team, um, in that product development, constantly giving feedback, we're involved in, you know, fortnightly sprints mm. and the presentation of product development. Um, very much um, an innovation um, of market-led um, demand, mm. as well as technology-driven advancement. You know, we work in the sort of automated content recognition space. So, um, looking at recognizing content um, with AI through. Um, anything from audio right through to sort of visual as well. So, yeah, but there's very interesting spaces that we can move into. And I think that um, the data that we're pulling in from television right now, um, we see a future for us in um, recognising, you know, the right ad to serve through FOD, through mm. um, IPTV, etc. Yeah. Okay. And just and on that engineer's note, that's something you, you would kind of agree with, Mitch. Do you uh, think 100%. the ones that are in this market that maybe are, you know, big on the marketing of or the events and the sales things, do you think, you know, how long have they got until they kind of end up getting rumbled? Because there's a few that, you know, some would argue are kind of still kind of chipping about with that. Yeah, look, obviously their business models work for them. them. I, think, I think you'll see the trends for next year really put strain on those sort of businesses because I think what successful technologists in in the, the coming years will have to do is be ha able to have very flexible businesses in terms of being able to create bespoke versions of each of their products and being able to let a platform be what a platform is meant to be. It's meant to be the base and you're meant to build on top of smarts that relate back to you. There's no, in my, in my opinion anyway, there's no value in having a, a one platform that's exactly the same across whether it be Group M, Dentsu, OMG, Publicis, or IPG. The client, the, the value proposition is harder because all the IP sits in the people. I think without having the ability to build on top of technology, um, and that in requires having local resource, they may not be the ones actually building it, but they're the ones advising it. And my team are incredibly fortunate that they get to hear all these discussions and we can go and ask how an actual DSP works from a um, underground perspective and behind the scenes which is incredibly powerful and that will be influencing success for next year in my opinion. Mm. Um, and something I just wanted to, to touch on with you Mitch, um, I think it was in Ad Exchanger last month, um, it said that the trade desk was rolling out connected TV, targeting and attribution um, and I just kind of wanted to get a bit more detail and understand maybe what that meant and what was happening here in that space and the kind of smart TV or connected TV, are they, are they the same thing, smart TV and connected TV? Yeah, so they, connected TV encompass, encompasses smart TV. So the way we view that is smart TV is with a hard-coded app within a smart TV device, where connected TV could be a, 
uh, app that is on a uh, on a TV, but also could be on an iPad or it could be anything like that. So it's the SVOD app that follows everything around. So like um, Nine Now, for example, you can view it on a connected TV device, but it's also a connected app through an iPad or anything like that. So the product that we've released uh, globally is our, um, our connected TV buying platform. And again, it sits within our omni-channel platform so it's not a standalone ui that you have to go into and what we believe is um connected tv is going to become more and more important as more people are used to on-demand viewing and we start seeing that generation of core cutters come through that any marketing plan has to have a touch point through that and they can't just sit siloed over in what uh, a tv buy or a video bite. They have to be part of a full-scale strategy that f- goes from upper funnel branding, which would be TV, audio, and video, all the way down to a display ad or search or whatever that may be. So what we've been building uh, within the trade desk is the ability to recognize um, and match a, a trade desk ID to a connected TV ID through um, looking at what IP, do, IP they are calling from. And then in the back end, consistently uh, updating our device tables to be able to show that we have a better understanding of who that user could be, which then allows us to do really interesting things like overlaying first and third-party data, uh, frequency management, which is a very, very big topic specifically in CTV, and then um, further down the line as cross-device companies get more and more sophisticated, being able to cross-device off um, CTV onto mobile, onto tablet, all the way down and have that nirvana of attribution at the end. So that, that's that's what the, the product looks like. Yes, it's live in Australia and we actually have campaigns running currently. So we have a number of partners that are jumped on the beta and um, we're lucky in this market that we have a rich supply source as well already in that a lot of the broadcasters already see um, roughly about 25 to 30% of their video streams coming through connected apps. Okay. So it's just being able to specifically target them and do more sophisticated buying against them rather than just lumping them into a video inventory pool where you don't necessarily get the best user experience on the other end. And and what's the kind of take up like so hang on I just want to make sure I understand so the connected TV that's in terms of when you've got the app and that moves around with you like nine jump in but then the actual smart TV is completely different that's when you've actually got the actual product. So smart TV is one area that connected TV app can flow be part of so think of maybe smart tv as like the hardware yeah a connected tv could be like a playstation it could be uh telstra t-box which is powered by roku it could be the app within a a ipad or a tablet device the smart tv app is usually hard-coded into the operating system of the the tv um that you've purchased and is that important to you guys the take up of that side of things on the smart tvs uh it's it will be more important, probably more for data and capturing um, audience behaviors and things like that from a specific uh, hardware perspective. Okay. But, but it's not, not necessarily it's not necessarily as important because it it's all IP, it's all ad- addressable anyway. So, bec- if as long as we have that ID, which we're looking at through our IP based targeting, we're able to serve individual ads regardless so we get the same digital reporting that we'd get um, from an online video campaign okay and is there any kind of challenges that are coming up with um advertising buying ads on connected tv and i don't know if carla you can weigh in on this or if this is more of a mitch's but is there any kind of 
challenges or things that are, look know? i think the, the challenges there, there's some traditionally challenges that we're hoping to address from uh, the trade desk perspective so frequency management has always been a challenge um because not have being able to address each connected device has a different type of id so when you don't have a universal way of trying to match all the ids to a single uh, common id you potentially are hitting the same person with the same amount of ads and the user experience is terrible the brands hate it and majority of the time the the broadcast will probably switch off programmatic just because it's too um too repetitive in the ads so that's the first challenge second uh, and we we're able to c combat that from our ip targeting and uh telia um formerly tremor have built their own unique uh synthetic id to sort of do the same uh essentially the same thing that we're doing but from the supply side to again give us more confidence that we're hitting different people so the frequency challenge is gone which is great and that's a big uh one of the big barriers going away second one would be trying to verify an audience so in video the currency tends to be nielsen dar and be able to get an on-target percentage um, for a specific audience um, which allows you then to model out tarps and and mm -hmm. and the like connected tv doesn't have a measurement like that currently um, i know in the us nielsen are looking at something um, here it's still very nascent and we're still trying to work out what that could look like so one of the challenges would be that um, getting that on target percentage uh, number that being said we can do again we can do interesting things like reach and frequency we can do uh, we can work with um, the broadcasters and telaria around DIDs around specific shows there's a whole bunch of interesting mm. stuff that we can do through our proprietary architecture around time targeting which uh, allows you to replicate a TV, a traditional TV show um, digitally. Um, but I think where we see CTV uptake is in really in the three three areas. You get a digital extension from your digital video, or you get a TV extension from your traditional TV, or you get um, uh, just a, trying to hit that uh, generation that only watch connected yeah. devices that potentially don't have subscriptions or mm. watch any free, free to air. So I guess if we are potentially looking at, um, you know, more consumers choosing connected TV, um, you know, Carla, is this not great for you if that's fewer people on linear TV, if that's mm. something that your product, you know, uh, largely focuses on? And obviously we know there's been a lot of different headlines about the death of linear TV and, you know, we know all the arguments for and against. Um, that would not sit very well with you, though. I mean, at the moment in Australia, you know, 20 million people watch free-to-air TV each week. Um and that's, you know, according to Oztam. And they're also, you know, ha own six six 6.2 devices. So we know that free-to-air is still being viewed at this time. Um, should that technology, you know, when that does change and when that trend eventually changes to people just cutting cords and watching on demand, our technology will probably keep up, um, considering we're in the content recognition business and we're in the business of you know, delivering ads based on content being recognised. Um, it's very much a space that we're watching. And um, currently, you know, there's a, a stream of efficiencies that are created through being able to time target your digital ads in sync with a TV series, um, especially huge tentpole shows that, w you know, really do get the ratings like your MKRs, like The Block. You know, there's huge sponsorships still pouring into these shows, um, which 
shows that they're not actually um, on the decline anytime soon. Um, but yes, the, the, the space is changing. And I think as it does, um, you know, ad delivery is, is needing to adopt more content recognition um, to deliver more, more meaningful, time, well-timed ads. So... Okay. Yeah. Well, we've actually only got a few a uh, few minutes left, so I just want to move on to um, some 2018 predictions. So last year um, at Ad News, we kind of uh, gathered a lot of industry voices and put together some 2017 predictions. Uh, so Mitch, back then we did get your prediction, which was every new ad tech vendor in the Australian market in 2017 will have artificial intelligence, including on their sales desk. Machine learning algorithms, especially around cross-device modeling, will become more prominent. We'll also see increasing demand from agencies and brands for BYO algorithms. Um, do you want to, you know, where do you kind of sit now on that prediction? And, and what do you kind of think of the state of play of, of where we are now and what you predicted? Yeah, I, when I saw them dug up, I was like, I was pretty happy with that, actually. Um, I think... A hundred percent. I know within our own business that uh, AI is obviously an important element of everything that we do and uh, every sales deck that I have seen, uh, I don't get to see many because obviously they don't share it with me, but just in terms of what the agencies are talking about, AI is front and centre. Um, so that that is fine. Cross device, I think we're getting better. It, didn't, it hasn't ramped as quickly as Maybe, I'd hoped. Yeah. Um, I think there's still some hesitancy around it and also some uh, challenges around when to use it, when not to use it. Uh, BY algorithms, definitely, I'd, I'd say the agencies are more than ever looking at what this can mean for them and where, as I said earlier, where that differentiator is on their platforms. Uh, you need your own version of each technology to be able to offer that value. First party data is no longer a differentiator because that follows the advertiser around. So you need to be able to provide that IP to do it. So I think absolutely we're at this, the stage where everyone is talking about it, taking stock of what's in their, um, their ecosystem to be able to influence that algorithm. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. And then just, just on that subject of AI, you know, what, what has kind of stopped that becoming because some would argue almost a bit of a buzzword. I feel like last year, you know, we were talking about it and everyone's excited. I feel like fast forward a few months, everyone's like, oh, AI this and AI that. And there's even different, you know, from, from what Oracle say it means to them, it actually means something different to Adobe or, you know, now agencies are saying, oh, we're doing this. Um, what what does AI mean to you? Yeah, um, AI is definitely a buzzword, 100%. Uh, I think AI is just that the use of... For me, it's uh, it can only ever be a future tense. that You can't mm. actually have AI because as soon as you have AI, it's Siri or it's... So, so it becomes something else. So I think AI is this thing that we'll always be chasing because as soon as you actually have it, it will have its own uh, life anyway. Um, what is it? It's, it's, look, it's using machine to take all available data points and create meaning out of it and then to action against it. Okay, that's good. I know I put you on the spot with yeah, that Yeah, wow. I kind of blacked <laughs> out for a second there. I don't know what happened. You might um, have to edit that out. And and obviously you're quite happy there with the prediction. This maybe, you know, you'd like it to become a bit, you know, a bit more advanced in some of those areas. What would you kind of predict then for 2018? What would you kind of say a solid... Uh, and maybe if you know push it even further push it even yeah. further um i think <laughs> firstly agencies will still be around and yeah. they will be an important part of the ecosystem uh, i think they may look slightly different than they do today but they will 100 percent be around and be very important 
Um, Do you I think th- we'll maybe see some of them acquire maybe more of uh, ad tech kind of? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny. It's a f- the, the whole acquisition of by a, a brand or a, a agency of ad tech or martech is an interesting space. I, I personally don't think it's the right move. I think other martech or other ad tech bringing together as they have that heritage um, is smart, and and that consolidation will happen. But I just always look back to P and G, like the world's biggest advertiser, took in house um, audience science and. This year, they they realised that the pace of change couldn't keep up by just even having the biggest advertiser in the world. So they actually pushed um, audience science out. They work and they work with us globally as well as another of verified DSPs. But they're working with their agencies again mm. because they still see the value in that ecosystem. And that's coming from a man that's championing supply supply side cleanup mm. um, and the supply chain kit cleanup. Sorry. So I think there's a lot of fear-mongering and hysteria Mm. about our industry at the moment. I think it comes back to the point of people viewing it as a channel, not as a transaction Mm. method. And I believe once we get that sorted, and there is absolutely, I'm not saying that it's all perfect, but we actually have more tools now than ever to be able to determine what's perfect and what's not. The the examples I fear that we we hear about are are the worst-case scenarios of bad actors using technology, and that's the same in everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, predictions, agency's still around. Yeah, agency's (laughs) still around, sorry. Um, BY algorithms will definitely be more important and probably get to the stage where they're being implemented rather than just theorised. And the buzzword will be blockchain. Blockchain, okay. We're actually also working on a blockchain feature. Uh, I'm just going to put that in there. Um, So, Carly, your predictions, what were you... Sure. Well, I mean, for 2018, I, I see brands and agencies continue to consolidate their ad tech and improve their organisation of data. Um, that said, sort of on with the view of creating, you know, a single view of the customer so that they can in turn drive meaningful interactions between consumers and brands. So really sort of looking at the customer journey and um, thinking outside the CTAs and the, the CPAs and, mm-hmm. and actually looking at outcomes. Um, I also think that, you know, there's an increased need for cross-channel measurement and, you know, there's actually demand now for, for television, traditional free-to-air television, to um, have data and analytics, um, halo reporting, um, and I see that in my own sort of view of the market right now that you know that the more pressure is going to be placed on traditional mediums to provide outcomes mm. for brands um beyond sort of the brand uplift um and yeah i think that media buying teams will continue to integrate and you know data will be shared and and um we really will hopefully see a true omnichannel media mm decisions being made okay excellent and just just a quick question i just wanted to go back to the ai in terms of the google home which obviously launched um in uh, australia this year and amazon is coming are you guys fans of that do you have made the google home are you getting any questions about this from anyone like is it something that you see is going to become a big part of the industry yeah we get a lot of questions about it actually because we're doing programmatic audio and so companies like spotify are looking at these um these devices and working out one how they deliver to it secondly how do we report and and 
uh, add uh, metrics to it because is it one to one? Is it one to many? Because where is it playing? What the device IDs look like? How do we how do we bring it into the ecosystem? But a hundred percent, we're looking at what that could be, and I've not played with one yet. I, I'm trying to work out if I want to. Go team Amazon, team Google. I haven't determined that yet. Yep. Um, I was kind of hoping Apple would bring one out, but they yeah, didn't. I don't understand. Yeah. Yes. See, I've got the Google Home, and I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Um, but I can't help thinking maybe I should have waited for Amazon because I think it might be a little bit more advanced with things you can do with it. But yeah, I don't get why Apple. I think yeah. surely that would have been a given. Yeah, um, definitely should have. Definitely they, they dropped the ball on that one. But I'm sure Tim yeah. knows what he's doing. Um, okay, we'll probably wrap it up and we'll save uh, the, the AI devices for another podcast. But thank you very much for joining uh, the Ad News Podcast. Thanks, Pip. Thank you awesome. very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Ad News Podcast, recorded at Nova Studios and sponsored by The Trade Desk. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.